Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. But thank you for tuning in. Thanks to Harbinger's Daily for uh, plugging us and just putting us out there and getting us just some more exposure and some more listeners are finding out about us. Praise God. Um, th- we've got a loaded podcast because the one and only John Leffler is back with us. I've got a list of questions. We could probably go three hours. We're going to try to do this in about... 45 to 50 minutes on this podcast today and uh, ask him so many things. Uh, So let's ask God for help first. Lord, please give us perspective today. Help us always see things through the lens of Scripture and encourage our hope in the return of Christ and the truth that we know from your word as we look at these issues nationally, globally, in our personal lives, and even in the church, Lord, which we, we need a lot of help in the church in America. But Father, thank you for for such a time as this. We are here and we are called to do your work. We are called for a purpose and we thank you so much for allowing us to serve you. It's an honor and a privilege and may we wear out our lives. May we pour out our lives in the service of our King, Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Uh, John Leffler, Steel on Steel Radio. He's here to address events and news and worldwide issues. And uh, he's been on Steel on Steel Radio and broadcasting 32 years, roughly. And I'm going to just welcome him right now because he's got an announcement that you guys probably are not aware of, most of you. So, John, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you, John. So let's uh, share the news with us on uh, what your plans are. Well, theoretically, I retired a week ago from uh, doing Steel on Steel. We've been doing that show for 32 years. I've been in radio and TV since 1965. Wow. Uh, about two-thirds of it spent in news talk on, uh, you know, secular stations, Christian networks and things. But the, doing the Daily Grind, I'm 73, just got to be a little too much. Wow. You know, I and, uh, yeah. Radio, you've got a, a long history in radio then. Well, I'm just going to just hit you with a lot of questions because you've learned a lot through the years. In fact, we're titling the podcast, and this is subject to change, How Did We Get Here and Where Will This All End? <laughs> now, we know Bible prophecy. Um, we could ask you for dates as far as when Jesus will return, but we don't want to go into those weeds. We do want to ask you, though, John, what is a woman? Okay, I'm, I'm kidding. So uh, seriously, though, the... Let's start with, I've got seriously a list of questions. Did President Trump know the FBI was coming to raid his home? And for those of you that that weren't aware, this just happened yesterday or last night, right? Yes, it was late yesterday. Yeah. yeah. What do you know about this? Uh, Not much except for what the media are telling us right now. I don't think, well, I'm sorry. I just, I've been trying to take a week off without (laughs) looking at the news and I get the call, believe it or not, from my Kiev correspondent. Oh my goodness. And he's saying, have you seen what's going on, you know, in Mar-a-Lago? And I said, no, I'm trying to avoid it, Ruben. (laughs) And he said, well, they just raided Trump's home. And I thought, oh my gosh. Wow. We are setting, and even Dershowitz agrees with this, Alan Dershowitz, that we are setting horrible precedents and have been we have been trampling on the constitution for quite some time and you know i i looked at my wife and i didn't have a chance to check it out i said i always thought that a president was immune from prosecution for things that he did as president because you can't have a president looking over his shoulder Mm. afraid that somebody's going to jam him for political reasons and it's obvious that this is what this is all about um, they don't care really about whether or not he did X, Y, Z. Uh, the prosecutors didn't care, say, for example, when Mrs. Clinton, it was discovered, had a server in a closet in a home in Denver uh, with classified documents on. I mean, lots of them. Now, that's a felony, but yeah. nothing ever happened. Exactly. And so what we're seeing here, and this is what's troubling, is the weaponization of government and a first-class law enforcement agency the FBI, which everybody used to respect as being sort of the Cadillac of the 
you know, or the Lexus of uh, law enforcement mm-hmm. being used now for political purposes. But it's not the first time they perjured themselves to get the warrant to spy on the Trump campaign yeah. for the uh, during the FISA court and uh, et cetera, et cetera, which, of course, after 26 months turned out to be a great big. <laughs> it was a fizzle and they've actually admitted it now. You know, you see some articles in the Washington Post. Yeah, it was all a hoax. We made it up and we just pushed it for political purposes. So the country's in a bad way, guys. So, John, um, you mentioned the weaponization of government. And is it too simplistic to say that um, one, depending on your political affiliation, uh, there is no accountability um, if you're a progressive and elite uh, Democrat? Um, but the other side, it seems like they'll come after you. Is that too simplistic? No, I think it's a very accurate description, um, and it's not just them. You know, uh, one at least one congressman caught on to the idea, and we need to talk about the economy right now where we are. But you know, we have this Inflation Reduction Act, and it's creating what another eighty-seven thousand more IRS auditors. Now, wow. this can be used for political purposes, and has been before mm-hmm. to harass people who are of the wrong political party or speaking out. And uh, that's why this is da- everything's dangerous. I mean, all the lights are going on mm-hmm. for anybody who is familiar with how communist or fascist regimes function. You see this, you know, and as a friend of mine said, how do you tell whether you're in a banana republic or not? You look to see if the sandbags are piled around the presidential house. <laughs> and uh, that's and what do we see in Washington today? You know, Mm -hmm. um, it's the same thing. So you mentioned you mentioned that we're trampling the Constitution. I want you to clarify that you said we uh, and I know you need to define we because there are some people who want to respect, uphold and defend the Constitution. Don't they swear an oath of office that they will defend the Constitution of the United States? But yet there are many and have been for decades that have been trampling the Constitution. And you also mentioned you alluded to the fact that there are some who are using the IRS to go against their political enemies. Obama did that. He, I mean, Franklin Graham's organization, is he went after Christian churches and conservative nonprofits. He used the IRS as a bully pulpit. And so, yes, some are trampling the Constitution. But just go ahead and elaborate on that. Well, it's not just trampling it in terms of, um, what do you call it, fact, but also in spirit. All right. Uh, the Roe v. Wade, you know, the Hobbes versus Mississippi decision, which flipped over Roe v. Wade, was an attempt to roll back judicial activism and uh, reading into the Constitution things that are just absolutely positively not there and ignoring things that positively absolutely are. Um, and you can see this, say, for example, uh, the let's say the, the rollback, remember one of the decisions was that you couldn't put these incredible requirements on concealed weapons licenses in various states. So if you go to states like California or New York, uh, they had requirements that were so difficult, so many hurdles you had to jump over that it was very difficult to get a license to bear arms, to, to have a weapon. Uh, and the Constitution is pretty clear, you know, shall not be infringed. And so when that was rolled back, immediately the attorneys general of those states and other officials began to figure out ways to get around it. Now, Mm -hmm. they take an oath to support and uphold the Constitution, Mm -hmm. and immediately they're finding ways around it. You know, Uh, the same thing with our immigration problems, the same thing with free speech problems, you know, everything else. That's what they're doing. Let me ask you this. You mentioned the Roe v. Wade overturning the Supreme Court. Yes, we've had an issue with judicial activism and this faulty idea of judicial supremacy uh, for far too long, possibly even before Roe v. Wade. But with all that they're doing, I mean, Biden just signs an executive order uh, for abortion that if it passes, apparently it would force taxpayers to pay for women who want to travel across state lines to get an abortion, not only to pay for the travel, but for the abortion itself. Has the left overplayed their hand? Well, that remains to be seen, and it remains to be seen whether or not it makes any difference. <laughs> Because of the shift in the Overton window, Mm. even so, my uh, belief is, yeah, they're overplaying their hands all. What happened in Mar-a-Lago tomorrow night may backfire in a bad way Mm. because Mr. Trump's supporters understand or at least believe that the election was stolen, that it was illegal. 
Uh, they believe that he has been harassed since day one, which is true. The media sought to destroy him. And by the way, the media, my profession or our profession, which are supposed to be the referees, have quit being fair referees and they've decided they're going to play on one team. Okay. Mm-hmm. And yep. that's what we're seeing there. Now, whether or not that blows up and backfires, the, the powers that be, we have, a, you know, a government that really is in need of reform. And we have too many people in the government. Notice that we just raised taxes again. If you can believe this, we're in a serious economic downturn and they're raising taxes. Yes. I mean, this is the epitome of insanity. But when you circle that around, you have to look and say, well, are they overstepping or are they just simply panicked at the idea that President Trump might be reelected in 2024? And, you know, this time, if he is. There would there would be a house cleaning in Washington that would leave everybody breathless. But of course, it would give CNN something to talk about for the next four years. <laughs> and the yeah, I mean, and they might have ratings again. I think they're off the, the off the charts when it comes to low ratings. But they might actually get a few viewers if Trump gets elected. They've been burning <laughs> incense that Mr. Trump might be reelected. You know, because they know what it's going to do for their ratings. Well, so John, we're going to ask you that in just a little bit. By the way, friends, we're talking to John Leffler, Steel on Steel Radio. We're going to ask you about the presidency. The current man in the Oval Office, we're also going to ask you about Kamala Harris, your predictions on next November and President Trump. But right now, you mentioned the media. That was one of the issues that got me blogging and writing a couple decades ago because I couldn't stand the bias, the hypocrisy, and them really uh, just supporting pretty much one political view or party or worldview, and it was against pretty much the Christian worldview. Can you give us, this is a softball for you, five main sites that John Leffler uses when he wants to go for uh, trustworthy news sources? Yeah, the first one is the off button on your computer. It's a very comforting one. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Sometimes Um, we need to tune out. (laughs) Everybody asks me that to do the show as we have done it for all these years. And by the way, at steelonsteel.com, it's now an open site. There's no subscription. All of our shows Ooh. are archived back to 2001, as well as my speeches at conferences. People can go and listen to some of the more recent ones this year. But um, I, in the morning, the first thing I do is I hit what I call the general blabber sites. That's the Drudge Report, Breitbart, Huffington Post, and a few others that are just the splash news to mm-hmm. see what the chatter is. Then I'll go deeper. I go, I'll, I do really like the real clear politics, real clear world, real clear economics, because they complain, campaign, contain a compendium. Tried to say that fast three <laughs> times. Contain a compendium uh, of different articles that are really worthwhile reading. Then I have to go to intellectual think tanks all the way from the, the one-worlder crowds like the Council on Foreign Relations and Brookings Institute to more serious conservative ones. And then we have people that we talk to. News gathering, news is the largest gossip chain in the world with a certain level of confidence built into it. Hmm. Uh, so so it's, really, it's, re- it's really hard to tell you the top five sites. Yeah, I, I understand. You know. I mean, we've got on our website, by the way, and you're one of them on our website, we've got 200 resources you can trust. We've laid them out in alphabetical order. And uh, it, it, you, we could go on, but there are 200. I noticed you mentioned HuffPo, and I'm sure you read it because you want to know what the enemy's doing. You, you, I'm sure you look at the New York Times. And um, just your thoughts on that. How much of the – we know they're biased, we know they're progressive or liberal, we know their worldview, and we need to check out. How much of that do you advise uh, people to look into? Well, to see what they're saying is important. But what you have to remember – is that the media began a shift that started in the late 70s and early 80s uh, because of teaching that changed in the colleges. All of this, by the way, this Overton window shift, abortion, you name the issue, cultural Marxism, yep. all traces back to academia and the infiltration of the Frankfurt School starting in the 1930s and 40s yes. into American education. That's where it all goes. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what was your question again? I'm sorry. I just I do a senior moment there. Well, I think I, do we how much attention do we pay to the enemy? In other words, OK, th- th- I know we know the New York Times is so incredibly gone when it comes to supporting America or the Constitution, let alone the biblical worldview. But the HuffPo, New York Times, there's so many sites like that. How do we want to know what they're writing about what they're doing? You, you do sometime, but you can drive yourself batty trying to do it. 
um, because, <laughs> the, you know, it used to be in the media. And Abe Rosenthal, former editor of the New York Times, he's now deceased. And on his grave marker, it says he kept the paper straight. And what he was proud of is, you know, journalists tend to be go to the left. They tend to be genuine classical liberals. Nowadays, they're just neo-Marxist liberals. There's a difference between the two. I, I'm thinking of myself much more as a classical liberal. I care about people and the little guy and making everything work, you know. Um, but nowadays, the whole goal of media is not to report the news. Everybody has bias. There's no such thing as non-bias. Mm -hmm. But when you're writing a story, you report the facts, the whole facts, and nothing but the facts. Today, they keep inserting their opinions yep. into the middle of a news story. And the goal is to lead you to predetermined outcomes, not to report the news. As I used to say on the show, they do this by reporting some facts, not reporting others, reporting some stories, not reporting the others. I'm sorry to say it. That's just the way it is. Meanwhile, you know, if you go to Breitbart, you know what you're going to find on the conservative side of the slate. Mm -hmm. The problem we're having in the country is the two ideas never come together. And you have people reading their own ear massaging media and letting it go at that mm. without having their ideas challenged. A lot of people nowadays, when you go, when you challenge them with facts, especially about global warming, they go, no, 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 and run off. Okay. When they hear things, <laughs> because what you have in the country today now, thanks to the Frankfurt School is a collision between the old Judeo Christian system and the ideas of Marxism. That's what we're dealing with. It's a collision. And these two ideas are mutually incompatible. So you have two groups of people starting with different worldview assumptions, use different processes of thought uh, to arrive at to totally different conclusions. That's why they're always yelling at each other, because we use English, but we don't speak the same language. John, I was just handed a note um, to ask you a question. Um, about what now this we've got three minutes left in the first segment so this is okay. a good good place to end this segment what can the average american citizen do to help or the average christian to help bring morals and constitutional authority back on the table other than vote of course okay we lost this battle because the churches turned and ran the other way okay yep when danger reared its ugly head, the pastors turned and bravely fled. In the name of Jesus, they bravely ran away. <laughs> um, we lost this battle because they refused to pivot hmm. and realize that education was where we were losing everything, and the education of one generation becomes the politics of the next. Yep. That's why we are where we are. So long-term, the church needs to do one very important thing, which it has done notably badly, that is, take back the education of your kids and your youth. Mm. If you don't do that, nothing else will change. You cannot send your children into secular atheist Marxist seminaries, yes. we call them public school, yes. and hope to get Christians out. It doesn't work. Mm -mm. Okay. And God said, you raise up your child in the way you should go. Don't turn them over to people who have a hostile worldview to what I'm teaching you in my word. That that's is so good. Thing. Absolutely. Yep. I think, John, that's, that's, that's excellent. And uh, by the way, um, side note, did you happen to hear the speech of the NEA president, Becky Pringle, to uh, the country's teachers at their convention last month? I heard about oh, it. Like I said, wow. I'm dodging. I'm dodging a lot of the news okay. lately, just for myself. Oh my goodness! But, so, what what point are you? But understand that this hubris has been there all along. Yep. But she's okay. like she's, she's like an ahead. open Marxist. Um, she's saying we will say gay, we will say trans, as we've done for decades and decades. We will stand for abortion, the right to choose. She, two minutes into her speech, John Leffler, she praises Angela Davis. <laughs> the communist. I'm not kidding. This is the NEA no, that president. Back to my, that goes back to my San Francisco days when Angela Davis was over in Oakland. Yeah. You know, that's in the 1960s oh. and stuff. Oh, my These goodness. These people have never changed. But at least but it's out in the open. playing their hand. Yep. 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 It's the way, the, the, the best the thing that COVID ever did for us was allow parents, whether they're Christian or not, to see what's being taught. And the parents are going, whoa, 
Now they're trying to run for school board, but you know, they're a lot like Peter on the morning of the resurrection. They're arriving late, out yeah. of breath, wondering what's happening. Exactly. And they walk into a battle they don't know how to deal with. Yes, amen to that, brother. So much to cover to come with John Leffler. What's the next major crisis? What about the presidency, the midterm elections, and the economy? More on Standard for the Truth in just a minute. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. John Leffler is our guest today, and we are kind of getting a lot of uh, his his take on things. I want to say predictions. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this is some of it speculation, but some of this is well-researched and studied. And uh, you can kind of go, okay, yeah, it's probably how it's going to go. Um, so the presidency, let's go back there, John, and uh, maybe we should start with um, how long do you think Joe Biden will last? In other words, will he remain in the White House for the duration of his term? And uh, how does Kamala Harris play into any of this? Well, that's a very interesting question that you asked. <laughs> you should be in radio. Yeah. <laughs> um, the it's very clear that Mr. Biden is dealing with declining mental capability. Mm -hmm. The odds of him running the country are minimal. The odds are he probably has handlers in the White House who are directing the direction it's going. Would not even be surprised if Mr. Obama were somewhat involved in that, mm -hmm. who stayed behind in Washington to yep. make life miserable. But see, we're breaking precedent after precedent after precedent yep. uh, here. And that's what's tragic. Uh, we've been flagging different scenarios um, that might happen. Even a lot of Democrats don't believe Mr. Biden's going to finish his term. But nobody wants Vice President Harris in there because apparently she's very difficult to work with and a little dingy. I guess that's the best way I can put it in a polite way. Uh, so here's a here's a Spiro Agnew scenario. Uh -huh. OK, which happened. Uh, Mrs. Harris, Vice President Harris will be told by the powers that be that are involved, you're going to resign. We're going to give you an ambassadorship in Ubugubi, uh, <laughs> and you'll be very happy there, and we'll, you'll get this great pension. Just get out. Then Mr. Biden will appoint a new vice president, which will be approved by the Congress, and then Mr. Biden will resign. And so now you have someone who can run for two full terms as well as finishing out the other term. Oh, my goodness. Um, that's scenario A. I can think of a lot worse. But, you know, but they know they have to. The Democrats know they have to get rid of Vice President Harris uh, so that she has to go before Mr. Biden goes. That's my prediction. Interesting. Well, what about I mean, they wouldn't think that they would have to do that if they knew that they were going to continue to. Uh, cheat and there will be voter fraud. And I'm, I'm hearing a lot about the next crisis coming down, the health crisis, people mailing in ballots. What do you, th I mean, do you think they're that worried at all? I think, and I have to admire, remember, there's a difference between your classical liberal and now what they call really hardcore progressive. Those are neo-Marxists. Those are cultural Marxists. And they fight like street fighters. Uh, what they do is they do not care if they wreck the entire system as long as they can win the next battle. They mm -hmm. don't care right. about the precedent. The rules in the postmodern mind don't mean anything, okay, because there are no absolute truths and things can be fungible and change when we want them to be. So I see them fighting on every single category. The reason, and, you know, Mr. Trump certainly had a lot of flaws, let's face it, okay, uh, there were things that he would do every once in a while. I would go, oh, shut up, Mr. President. You're your own worst enemy. You, know, <laughs> you don't know how to. Sometimes when your enemy's making a mistake, just let him make it. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. And step over the edge. Um, but on the other hand, they recognize that he was an outsider. He was not an insider like all the previous Republicans, the, what we call rhinos. Um, mm -hmm. There are rhinos and dinos now that are trying to form a new party where they're coming together in the center. Oh, right. Um, As if and so cover. and so that's why, you know, that's the situation. But they're street fighters. Understand that. Mm. And the left keeps behaving like I mean, sorry, the conservatives for decades now have behaved like gentlemen when the left says the heck with the rules. We're going to do what we need to do. I have to admire them for that. At least they adhere 
to their belief system. Saul Alinsky said that. Yeah, you know, we don't have any rules, exactly. but we make the other side stick with theirs. Yeah, and that's fast. That's a fascinating point you bring up because when we see the left trying to push some what most of us would consider a radical agenda or piece of legislation, it's almost always the Republicans and or conservatives that compromise. Just a little bit. So they push, the, push this radical legislation. We give them, uh, you know, 60%. Well, that's like, oh, wow, that's great. It's more than what they expected. And now they have more ground. We've lost ground. It's amazing how this works, the political battle, isn't it? And that's what changed starting in 2008 with the Tea Party movement. Mm. But they managed to shove that back down underground because they just all they had to do was yell they're all racist they're all white and therefore it's racist and blah blah you know they run around and do that that at the moment was when the woke people uh woke up (laughs) and what they woke up to is they didn't realize this before because they listened to their own media in blue bubble land just Mm, like in red flyover land they listened to their own media yes but what the wokists realized who now practice their wokest pocus as i call it uh, and try to get the rest of us to go along with it. They realized that over the half of the country over the previous 40 and 50 years had not moved with them. They mm. thought because the media chattered one way and the TV chattered their way and they were chattering their way that everybody had. But as people in 2008 said, with the Internet, I suddenly discovered thousands of people who really objected. So that was the first blowback. Uh, the second blowback was the election of Mr. Trump which is what put them into peals of hysteria because they, they knew that he was not, unlike other Republicans, going to be a team player. Mm, and that's why right from the beginning, you know, first it was what was it as we went through the political debates? Remember that where everybody's up on stage there? Yes. First, it, it was a ha ha ha. Yeah, there's Donald Trump running for president. Ha ha. Oh, wow. He could be a serious candidate. Oh, wow. He's the candidate. Now, for that moment on, the media sought to destroy him. And funny thing happened on the way to the White House. He fought back. <laughs> For once, he didn't sit there and duck and bob and weave yeah. and, and, and bow to the pressure. That's why the reaction to him was over the top. And David, you said, has he exceeded this? Did, did they overplay their hand? Absolutely. The media came roaring out of the closet you know, ripped off all of their clothes and let themselves be seen for what they truly are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was astounded, just absolutely astounded after being in this business for 50 years that they would just throw off any pretext of yes. lack of bias <laughs> and do it. L- look at uh, why are we still listening to these people? Remember what happened to the Covington High School men yes. on the Washington Mall? Mm-hmm. It was a lie. It was a blatant lie. They all repeated the lie. When it turned out that it was a lie, they refused to walk back the lie until they were well, some of them walked it back, but then they got sued, and and uh, some of those gentlemen are living a nice life now. For <laughs> they've yeah. got a free ride through college. But yep. this is this is what it is. I I live in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and I I kid you not. Every time there's a media piece about Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and and I saw this because I was interviewed by the Times of London for a documentary they were doing about why so many conservatives are moving to places like Idaho. (laughs) And they start in on this and, you know, oh, it's a great place and you can go skiing and laking and water skiing and get eaten by bears and things like that. (laughs) Okay. And then they go, however, North Idaho has a dark past. What? And then they, yeah, white, remember we used to have the Aryan nations, the white supremacists here. Oh, my Hayden Lake. Forgot all about that. And they go jumping back to that. And then what they did in this documentary that just I couldn't watch most of it. My my uh, Internet guy and my wife did. I just couldn't watch it when they came out with it. They tried to draw a link between the white Aryan nations and the church I go to. It's an evangelical church affiliated with Calvary Chapels, um, Candlelight wow. Fellowship. Wow. And I go, that's the most absurd thing that I have. The church is anti-racist. It's pro-Israel. It, it's not, not related to white supremacists or anything like that anyway. I was just furious. And every time, every time they draw it back, they haven't been here for 20 years. Mm. The whole place has changed. You can hear the passion in it because I'm so ticked at the media for the fact that they constantly keep lying, lying, Mm. lying and distorting the truth. 
That's what we're dealing with today. Yes, we are. Um, I mean, it goes along with the public polls, Gallup or Pew or whoever does these, does these polls on the trustworthiness of the media. I think it's down to the, you know, 26% of Americans. Now. But yet there are still people that will tune into their nightly ABC, CBS, NBC, and they're almost, well, they're just as bad. John, let's move on. Uh, so on the Republican side, do you think uh, Trump's going to run? Do you think it'll be DeSantis? What are your thoughts? Well, I think DeSantis will be in the mix. Whether Mr. Trump runs, uh, I don't know. And at, at this stage, I want to say I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I'm not sure that would be good for the country because it, it's going to raise all of these things again. You know yeah. that if Mr. Trump got reelected, there would be a house cleaning oh in goodness. Washington, a purge that would make everybody's health, uh, health, uh, head spin. Remember the J. Peter Grace study that was done in 1990? He Grace... Uh, funded this himself as a businessman, did a complete survey of government and what we could do to reduce the government spending. You notice you never hear about cutbacks in government. You always hear about increases of taxes. That's the only thing they can think of. Um, and he said when they got done with it, you could chop out 50% of the government workforce. We wouldn't notice the difference. There is so much bloat and corruption that's going on in there. Hmm. So... You know, we do need to talk about the economy, however. I don't know when you want it. We, we're coming up on a – well, I'd say we're, how long is the next break? Uh, if eight minutes away, seven minutes till the next okay. break. So we can jump into that now. I, and then I definitely want to get to uh, the, the next crisis and what do you think is going to happen this with the midterms coming up? Are they doing all this and, and timing all that out? But, yeah, the economy is a huge issue, and that was on my list of questions, and that includes – you know, the housing market, supply chain issues, gas prices, oil reserves. So why don't you try to just give us a little, uh, you know, five or six minute rundown of your thoughts on where we're headed economically? Well, we're in a bad shape. Um, we have been making this bed for, you know, what, 40 years now, uh, increasing, inflating the currency. Remember that as your currency inflation gets more and more violent, the swings become violent and they have less maneuvering room it's like a box canyon when you start out you have a lot of maneuvering but as you go closer and closer into the canyon the walls close in around you and finally you just can't get out you know there's nothing to do so we have been spending 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 the government has not had a balanced budget in decades i don't care what the clinton administration said that was by jimmying the figures and throwing things off budget and playing all sorts of games and presuppositions. Yeah, if you or I tried to file our taxes on that basis, I'd be talking to you from a jail cell right now. <laughs> you know, um, you can't. So each year, each election, they would kick the can down the road was the expression Wall Street uses. They would just kick the can, knowing that at some point there would be an end game. We're now in the end game. And we have a currency, well, we're, what, $30 trillion in debt. Will this ever be paid off? The first answer is, A, no, never. They're going to have to work their way out of it. B, they're going to load it onto the middle class because, remember, according to the Great Reset, according to all of the Marxist thinking, we have to wreck the society as it is, and the middle class has to go. And nothing would destroy the middle class more like they did by closing down thousands of small businesses during the unnecessary lockdown that we went through. Uh, they wrecked them. They've never recovered. Those that are recovering are struggling to get to their feet. And the government and the Fed are doing absolutely positively everything wrong. Hmm. They're working to it. You'd think they're working to destroy the economy. Because we're in a place, think about it, the Inflation Reduction Act. We're yes. raising taxes, $739 billion. We're unleashing 87,000 more IRS auditors on the population to squeeze more money out of them. This will invariably, don't, don't buy the warm cooey talk that it's going for the rich. This will invariably involve small business yeah. and the middle class. We're increasing spending by $400 billion. I mean, they're calling this the Inflation Reduction Act. What an insult. Exactly. To insult the American to, public. Exactly. Right. To anyone who's intelligent enough to see through this. And by the way, we're giving uh, billions to Ukraine. Where is that money going? Where does that come from? Well, yeah, you know, it's, it's just going. It, I, I'm watching this phenomenon. You wow. Know? Uh, and on top of that now, uh, we've, we're destroying our energy policy. With it, we're destroying our national security policy. 
um, because it's I talked to a retired Marine colonel lately that keeps his finger on the pulse. And he said it's doubtful if the military could even defend us if we had to, because they're so politicized now, so wokeified that they're driving off really hardcore people that yep. really want to get in there and and do the job. But if you look at the energy, first thing Mr. Biden did was came in and just shut down the Keystone pipeline and the oil industry finally said, okay, well, okay, we, we can't deal with that anymore. We can't, we can't have the government going flip, flop, flip, flop, flip, flop, flip, flop. You can't operate. Then anyway, shut down a lot of the leases, blah, blah, blah. Immediately energy just shot through the roof. And then of course the Ukraine Russia thing shot it up even further. The hypocrisy of all of this is number one, they have no alternative energies that we can go to at any time in the foreseeable future. They're saying we have to stop using fossil fuels, but we have nothing to replace it with. That's the, the final bottom line to all of the nonsense about the planet's going to toast by 2030. You know, you know all of the deadlines that have been <laughs> set and gone. Yeah. Uh, that's it. And then they say electric cars. And I say, well, first of all, what are you going to charge? You and I both know how electricity works. You're going to have billions of amperes that are going to be required every night to charge these electric cars. What are you going to charge them with? Oh, we're going to do it with wind and solar. No, you're not. <laughs> That's <laughs> no. basically it. I know. We know that isn't going to work. Uh, this is insanity. And what's for us is rough times coming mm. for places like uh, we've been working directly with the Christian community in Pakistan. And in Pakistan, this is pushing the Christians who are very poor, the lowest of the poor in society. It's pushing them below survival levels where they can't even make enough food to get through a month. They can't buy enough food mm. because their economy is – the Pakistani rupee right now is, is in serious trouble. Mm having to pay back huge loans to the Chinese, part of their Belt and Road Initiative, and also the energy crisis. There are riots in the streets, blockading the roads. People can't deal with that. It's just going to get worse. So here we are. Yes. We're, again, we're, setting, we're raising interest rates. We're raising taxes. We're going on a spending spree, and we're making energy much more expensive, which, of course, uh, is a, it's a perfect storm. It's energy inflation and monetary inflation working together to wreck things. Now, either they're totally stupid and incompetent, nope. or they have a bad agenda yep. in mind. And that's what Alinsky was all about. Let's wreck the order as it is. That's what cultural Marxists are about. We have to wreck the established order. I'm going to ask you, we, we've got to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to ask you, how much do the globalists and the World Economic Forum uh, how much do they play into this, uh, what's happening to America, weakening America and our economy? And by the way, the party of compassion, the party of, I guess, social justice, is there are people that are truly suffering in so many nations around the world, literally suffering, many of them starving. And here we are implementing policies that are making things worse. It's just really a sad place that we're in. We're talking with John Leffler, Steel on Steel Radio. When we come back, maybe a little bit more on weakening the U.S. military, but we're going to ask him what he thinks the next major crisis will be, health crisis or what, and then the midterm elections coming up, and the globalists. How do they play into what's happening now? More on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. John Leffler is our guest. You can find out more. You can hear past podcasts. He's done them for years, decades, SteelOnSteel.com. So, John, let's finish up the point. We were talking about the economy, but also you mentioned the, you know, the military Um the Biden administration has been weakening the U.S. military on purpose, getting them to go trans, go woke. But I've seen recent stories, news stories, that there is a serious recruiting shortage. I mean, they're down 10,000 and they're having problems and they're also lowering the expectations. They're lowering the requirements. So we're in a pretty sad state when it comes to the military as well. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, two thoughts. Number one, they don't want people who think for themselves or oppose the wokest pocus 
yeah, in the military. <laughs> this, again, is something that happens with Marxist and fascist societies. You know, if you if you know anything about the history of, of all of these societies, we're just marching right in step with everything. Uh, but number two, who's going to join the military when you want to go into fight in the military and do what people who want to become soldiers and or Air Force people or sailors, uh, they don't want to be in the midst of this. They're not in for politically correct indoctrination. Mm. You know, I mean, when, when a pastor gets uh, court-martialed for praying in the name of Jesus, you know, a military chaplain, we've got a problem Yeah, that that mm. you realize this. Uh, you know, at some point we need to turn to persecution, too, because, as I mentioned, we got into this mess because of the pastors who ran away from the sound of battle for 50 years. And as they began to lose battles or get bloody noses, they would say, well, this isn't what we're about. We're just going to go into the church, <coughs> slam the door, and preach the gospel. And they've been trying to bring people into the church oh, ever gosh, since. Yes. So what they ignored was, and this is the, the critical point, they ignored the fact that year after year, kids were being siphoned off. They were functionally non-Christian by the end of high school and factually so by the end of college. Mm -hmm. There was no pivoting to this threat. They just increased pizza parties, tried to make the church more attractive, yep. changed the music, did all the wrong things. Okay, that's how we actually got where we are. Mm -hmm. You have breakups. The, the, the one. Let me pick one target here right now. A lot of churches teach what I call expositional Bible teaching, day after day, year after year, mm -hmm. whatever. And I maintain, I finally got so disgusted one time, there's nothing wrong with expositional teaching as long as that's not all you do. Mm -hmm. Because the Bible says verse by verse, and then what? Precept on precept. They teach verse by verse really well, and precept on precept, almost not at all. Because people come out of these churches with a general jumble of Bible ideas in their head, but no idea of how to assimilate that into a functional doctrine and then how that confronts the worldview challenges of the day. Yes. Okay. And I'm sorry. I, I know there are a lot of churches that do that. You guys, here, this is me slapping my face. Wake up. Hello, McFly. Okay. <laughs> you're losing this battle because you're disobeying God. Mm. You're not finishing the process. You have to train your youth. You have to teach your people why, how Christian viewpoint, biblical viewpoint matches into the worldviews of today and why we believe what we do. And the statistics bear me out in the youth, in the level of abortion, adultery, and everything else in the church today, I'm being borne out by the statistics. I don't care how you do it there. It's how you should be doing it there. Okay. Mm. That's the difference. Yes. You have to, and I, I used to tell my wife, I said, I swear, you know, it, it, World War III could be going off right outside, a big pitch battle right in front of the church. And the pastor would be in there, last week we heard from the book of Second Opinions, chapter 2, <laughs> verse 1, boom, crash. <laughs> this week we're going to preach the book of Second Opinions, chapter 2, verse 2, boom, yeah. crash. Okay. Yeah. Uh, these people understand that traditional Christianity is being defined as extremism, and they're dragging it into domestic terrorism. That's what you have to recognize. Yes. That means persecution is just around the corner. Five stages to persecution. Number one, identify the target group. Number two, marginalize them. And they're having a hard time doing this because of social media and radio. But marginalize them. Push them away from where they can defend themselves. Mm. Stage three vilify them stage four pass laws against them and stage five is enforce the laws that process is going on in the u.s and canada right yes. now yes the equality act that's one thing that if that passes we're in trouble i've interviewed pastors that have been arrested imprisoned up north tim stevens james coates up in canada just for keeping their churches open. But uh, this other thing that you mentioned, uh, of course, you're talking about preaching the whole counsel of God and giving people, actually equipping the saints so that they can respond to what's happening outside of church walls and be effective as salt and light and as ambassadors for Christ, which we have not generally been. But, John, this other question leads to, will the gender surrender, this trans delusion LGBTQ agenda, 
Will that blow up come to an end, or is that going to just continue to just like overwhelm uh, not only every major institution and legislation, as you mentioned, but the church as well? You know, that's a good question. I think there is a pushback coming. Uh, all things being equal, the Democratic Party is in the process of committing suicide because it is a, an amalgam of what I call disaffected groups that have managed to make common cause. Mm-hmm. But there have been predictions made by Democratic strategists that have said 2022 is going to be a train wreck and 2024 is going to be an apocalypse because the Democratic Party is being driven now by the radicals who were becoming disconnected from the fundamental base of a lot of our friends and neighbors who really just want to see good things happen in a sound environment and, you know, really good ideas. They're just not looking that, wait a minute, <laughs> they're starting to discover uh, this isn't doing anything for us. And, uh, you know, you know what's on the table? Things like the environmental movement. It's all on the table hmm. because as it starts to cost people more and more and more, it was one thing about saving Bambi, but as soon as they can't put food on the table, Everybody's going to say, you know, we're going to rethink this environmental thing and it needs to be rethought. So that remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. But that's what you're seeing in the military. People don't want to go in for wokus pocus. They're not there for that. They want to fight and they want to be a unified group. They don't want to be analyzed for their belief system, their extremist belief system. Now, remember, extremist means conservative. Yep. OK, yep. that's what that means. Um, and so as a country, we need a giant plate of prayer. We are in a bad way. Mm-hmm. It's been coming for 40 and 50 years. The church didn't pivot. But, you know, you mentioned Canada. I sat with Arter Pavlovsky, you know, from Calgary. Yes. yes. Okay. We sat together and talked for about 45 minutes, and I was looking at his face as we were talking. <laughs> and he has such a Polish face. You know how yep. everybody comes from different places? You go, that's from Poland. And I looked at his just determined blue eyes. They yeah. were staring at me. And the first thing that happened, David, is I thought, they have picked the wrong Polish pastor <laughs> to pick on. Yes. Yes. But the thing that he said to me then just really has stuck with me. And this is, this was back in February or March. And he said, when this is over, no pastor will be left sitting on the fence. Wow. You will not be able to sit on the fence. It will be clear. Expect 50, 80% of the churches to slide. Expect it. Why? History. Now, he didn't say that. This is my prediction. Mm-hmm. History shows us that that's what's happened. Once the church isn't just about, let's pray here. Let's sing this hymn there. Oh, we're doing communion this service, this weekend. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Once it demands something of you, then like Richard Vornbron will say, you're going to find out who the real believers are. Yes. And I think he's, I think Pavlovsky is going to be proven correct. Mm, the, we're going to find out who the Dietrich Bonhoeffers are. And by the way, 80%, John, I mean, that's worse than, uh, uh, Germany during Hitler's time. Um, I think it well, was, well, that's, the, I, I got the 80% from Hitler's Germany, which oh, really? is a, yeah, pet study of mine. Okay. I thought but it was rem- 70. Well, I mean, you know, okay, make the number float. <laughs> <laughs> it, it depends on how bad it goes. So you're saying it can, just, it can be fluid. <laughs> it can it can be fluid based on. Do you know what the core issue is? How well trained the Christians are, and do they understand what this is about? Paul tells us in Ephesians six. Okay, he talks about the armor of God, and you know we have these cutesy little photos of or pictures of a soldier with all the armor of God on and everything else like that. But when you realize that all of the words that the Apostle Paul uses are aggressive words, run as if to win, contend for the faith, stand in the evil day, mm. okay? Resist. Every one yes. of these is a positive motion of warfare, because why? As it says, tells us from Peter, I can't remember if it's first or second Peter, your adversary, the devil, is roaming around like a roaring lion. Seeking who may, who may, you know, whom he may devour. We are not fighting against flesh and blood. There is a spiritual dimension. If you take everything today that we're seeing, I put it into four levels. The first level is what I call the hoi polloi. Uh, that's you and I. Okay. We're the average little dudes out here and everybody else, our friends, neighbors, etc. The second level are what I call the true believers. Uh, these are the ones who really think it's about 
your cause here. Save the planet. Stop global warming. Uh, critical uh, Black Lives Matter. Blah, 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 blah. They think it's all about that issue, what I call the surface issue. Number three. That's the third level. These are the PMC, the power, money, and control people that head up the number two groups. They understand it's not about Black Lives Matter. It's not about saving the planet. It's about power mm-hmm. and money and control. And the fourth level, the fourth level is the satanic one. He is the god of this world. He deceives the nations and he drags everybody. If you look at the picture of where we're going, how do we get from a functioning United States then to where we see in the book of Revelation? The U.S. has to fall or has to conform. Mm-hmm. I did a speech 20 years ago called Antichrist Doesn't Wear Tights <laughs> because I would, you'd say to pastors who are, who are, um, say for example, preaching about the rapture and the tribulation, second coming, and then you'd say, well, look at this globalist crowd over here trying to create this global government. And they go, oh, that's conspiracy theory. We don't talk about that. And I would go, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Time out here. Let's use some thought. How do we get from where the U.S. is today to where Scripture says it will ultimately be then? Or how do we get from Canada today or Australia today mm-hmm. to those points from the free countries, free market countries? Something has to change. Yes. You know, uh, Antichrist isn't just going to pop into Washington one day wearing red spandex tights with a tail and horns. You know, this is not how it's going to happen. And it was very hard selling that to people. I had a call from a Calvary Chapel pastor, a friend of mine, actually, in Denver. Uh, I think it was about 2018, 2019. Out of the blue, I hadn't talked to him in a while. And he called, he said, you know, John, when you were on the air 30 years ago telling us where we were going to be today, I thought you were crazy. <laughs> but here we are. He, he said, I have to admit, here we are. And I said, yeah. And if you knew where we we're going to be in 10 years, you'd be even more freaked out. You know, so that's it. We know what's coming. We've seen this before. Mm-hmm. Now it's time for the church to explain to people how they stand in the midst of a storm. The wokus pocus postmodern crowd is standing on squishy sand. We have to stand on rock. We have to love them because they will be devoured by the same system that they are defending. They will be devoured by it. We have to love them and rescue as many as we can before this hits. Because the more that gets stung, they will be disillusioned, and Christ is always the answer. I want to end right there. That's just, John, that's that's good. And... um, we didn't get to the globalists. I think we alluded to that a lot in the World Economic Forum and what the next major crisis might be and that may have impact midterm elections. There's a lot of speculation. We could do another hour. So we're going to have to have you back if you would uh, be willing to do that, come out of retirement again. <laughs> but, brother, thank you for all that you've done through the years and Steel on Steel Radio. We really appreciate your wisdom, your voice, and your commitment to the truth of Christ. So God bless you, brother. God bless, and please remember to pray for the persecuted church around the world. Yes, amen. Let's do that. Um, John Leffler, thank you. Um, tomorrow we are going to have Dan Smithwick with the Nehemiah Institute. Thursday, Dave Jenkins is an author, and he's got a new book out called The Word Matters, Defending Biblical Authority Against the Spirit of the Age. Chad Davidson, uh, Good Fight Radio, is with us, uh, Ephesians 5.11 News as well. He'll be with us Friday. I want to even tease Jan Markell will be with us on Monday and more on the podcast. Uh, thank you guys for your guest suggestions. We've got some great ones coming up. Even at the end of the month, uh, Alex Newman, Billy Crone, J.B. Hickson, Jack Hibbs, Doreen Virtue, and more and more and more. So thank you guys. We appreciate the sharing of our podcast on social media and, of course, your prayer support. And as John said, amen to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who are being persecuted because it is coming here. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.